This is Kan Zenshu, the podcast, episode 387 for the week of August 9th, 2015. What is up? Welcome to Konzenju, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. Konzenju. That's right. We cover anything and everything Frieza in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. I thought you were going to say in a little bit of tyranny, just to keep the <laughs> Frieza theme going on. <laughs> that is kind of the mantra of the site, Dragon Ball Tyranny. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about the English dub this week. We are talking about Resurrection F. It is uh, in theaters right now as you're listening to this. It is getting a little bit more extended of a theatrical run here in North America than Battle of Gods did. But first, let's go around the room. By around the room, I mean across from me and then a time zone over. Mary, hi. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm swell. That's I've got great. my iced coffee, so I'm in a happy place. That is delightful to hear. We also have Heath out younger. 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 That's a word. How are you? I am fantastic. That's good. Everyone's response is kind of like non-committal to me. I gonna draw a little bit more out of you guys. Well, you you said be bland this episode. That is so. what I said. Mm-hmm. Yes, you That's said what we're doing. you can't show how you feel about no about this topic. Okay. Don't give it away. This is absolutely what I, Mike Vegito Ex, said ahead of time to everyone. Show no emotion whatsoever. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Hi guys, we're here to talk about Resurrection F. There's a lot of stuff going on with regard to this movie. There was a an extra kind of it feels like a last minute red carpet premiere they put on in New York, which we attended, Mary, you and I. On Monday. Uh, was that Monday? Monday, yeah. Yeah, so it was about a week ago uh, when you're listening to this episode. And then it was in theaters the next day. So we will talk about that premiere and we will talk about the movie itself. And that's what's on deck. But first, we do have a tiny, 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 tiny bit of news. Mary, did you know that you still have not played Extreme Putoden? I know. And every time I see or hear you playing it, I'm like, oh, I got to play that. That looks and sounds awesome. And I think I'd really, really like it. And then I either fall asleep on the couch or <laughs> I go find some other way to occupy my time. Not because of the game. No, 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 no. no. Just to be clear, it's not the sounds of Mike's game putting me to sleep. It's me. Well, Mary, can I interest you now in an English language version demo of Extreme Butoden you on the Nintendo 3DS? But I will still probably put it on my list of things to go play and do, but that does not sweeten the deal. It's still pretty interesting. Why does it not sweeten the deal? It doesn't matter Why for would us? I care if it's in English or not? Well, the voices are not in English. No, the menu. Oh, the text is yes. in English? Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, Try to keep up here, Mary. Oh, God. I couldn't t- I mean, we were talking today about a dub, so I, I thought maybe there was a theme. A little confusing. Yes. The English language in terms of localization for the menus and oh, such. Oh, yes, because the my demo. katakana and hiragana skills are fairly rusty. In fact, you always are asking me, Mary, what does this say? Yeah. And I'm like, hell if I know. Not much better I, anymore. I used to remember. Anyway, but yes, the, that sounds good. the localized demo is available. You can grab it on the Nintendo 3DS eShop. It is available for free. It has a, uh, a limit of 30 uses. They do this a lot with 3DS demos. I don't particularly care for that, especially with this kind of demo where you can carry over your progress to the final version of the game. Uh, I don't really get this arbitrary limit on uh, uses. They don't want you to get your jollies out on just a demo and then not buy the game. No, I understand. 
understand that, but there's still only, I think, six playable characters. It's pretty much exactly the same as the Japanese demo was, uh, except the expected code does not work. The old classic Butoden unlock code worked in the Japanese version of the demo to unlock Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan Vegeta as a Z-Assist character. That does not work here, and I tried all the other codes that I knew, and none of them worked here. Uh, I believe the UK branch of Bandai Namco stated on Twitter that they would reveal a code for the demo once the demo reached 10,000 downloads. They stopped mentioning that real quick, <laughs> which leads me to believe it is nowhere near 10,000 downloads. So that's kind of shitty. Uh, I guess we'll we'll keep an eye out to see what they announce for that. That'll be real crummy if they change all of the button press unlock codes, but it wouldn't surprise me if they do that for this because they're all widely available including on our site. So it's the kind of thing where it's uh, they kind of lose that ability to kind of slowly drip them out over time. Heath, why don't you talk to us real quick about uh, Dragon Ball Super episode titles? Uh, I guess I'm glad I purchased Psycho Jump, but then again, we're uh, fact-checking Psycho Jump on themselves. It's weird. I swear no one in magazines anymore like proofreads anything. It's terrible. Because this is like the second or third time this has actually happened just for Dragon Ball Super. But um, yeah, so Psycho Jump, which Mike picked up when you were in New York for the premiere. No, I I, I didn't. They didn't have no? it. They didn't have it yet. I had to order it online. I was so pissed because oh, that's right. it came out a couple days early. Usually Psycho Jump comes out the third or the fourth. And I mm-hmm. think it was the second. And I said to myself, oh, I should probably pre-order Psycho Jump. I looked, totally sold out. So I had to get it secondhand. And luckily it was only a couple years and more it wasn't that big a deal but still pain in the ass there wasn't a whole lot within the issue albeit a lot of dragon ball manga apparently but dragon ball super episode titles they just kind of snuck them in there however they they got the episode numbering off by one i'm assuming because there was a break in uh july right so nobody really fact checked that but yay it pretty much follows battle of gods almost verbatim yeah that's kind of disappointing that we're getting exactly the same story pretty much i mean i feel like the first two episodes of super spoiled us because it was original content Mm -hmm. and it was like okay enough of that let's get back Mm -hmm. into well we all kind of had a feeling that at some point they were gonna really jump into it yeah but it's almost like they're taking each specific scene within battle of gods and just making it an episode right And that was something I think we all kind of wanted to avoid. I would have liked more of a padding with some of the new original material. I mean, obviously, they've been changing a couple things here and there, like Bulma's parties on a a cruise liner instead Mm -hmm. of at Capsule Corp, things like that. And Um, Heath, I think we still will get that. Super's been pretty decent so far with the A story and the B story. And I Mm -hmm. think we'll still get some kind of B story stuff. Then again, Beerus and Whis have been the majority of, uh, not even a B story, kind of like a C story within the larger story. So once we get everyone together, I guess I am a little concerned, like the rest of you, is it going to be a straight battle of gods? But then again, maybe they'll well, swap things up who knows yeah and it's almost like okay we're gonna do a straight battle of gods but then we're gonna introduce this character champa from mm, right. the beginning and then we're just gonna use that as an ad ploy and just all the way along when's he gonna show up when's uh, he gonna show so maybe champa's so keep watching maybe champa's gonna be the b story in the background mm-hmm. while battle of gods is going on well and uh we kind of got a glimpse of that in Toyotaro's right. manga, second chapter, where yeah. uh, Shampa and his presumed attendant are kind of sneaking around behind Beerus and saying, "Hey, uh, has he noticed us yet? All right, let's go do this." Mm-hmm. We don't know what they're doing yet, right. but so that could be interesting if it actually sort of plays out like that. 
because then it would be nice that even though they're literally taking what happened in Battle of Gods, they're adjusting it and adding another storyline on top of it. Yeah. And I guess so. we can say as we're recording this right now, it's uh, Saturday afternoon. So episode five of Super has not aired yet. Um, and this is we're pretty much getting straight into Battle of Gods right now. Um, Beerus and Whis have arrived on North Kaiva's planet. Goku is there. We saw scenes of he's powering up to Super Saiyan 3. He's going to take on Beerus. So um, we're, we're talking a little bit ahead of time here we may learn a little bit more this next episode but that's what is up Mm -hmm. with super to just wrap up the news real quick the only other thing going on this is not all that interesting but i want to note it because it's news j stars victory versus plus did come out here in north america um you know we were joking last episode i think it was with uh, the xenoverse accidental they forgot about this game real fucking quick um j stars seems like it was kind of sent out to die i've seen very very little promotion for it over the last month. That being said, over on Sony's PlayStation Store charts, charted pretty well across all three platforms. On the PS4, it was the number 14 game for the month of July. On the PS3, it was the number three game for the month. And on the Vita, it was the number one game. For the month. So digital sales of JSTARS appear to be going pretty well. Uh, they did have a little incentive there. I think there was an interactive theme or something like that. And that is the news. So with that all being said, let us get right into the main meat for our episode. Fukatsu no F or Resurrection F. Hey, how are you doing? I'm very good. Can you tell us where we are right now? Are you near to find the bathrooms? I totally do. Okay, cool. I can help you. Uh, They're over there by Sean. Uh, yeah, we are at the Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F premiere event in New York City. I cannot believe it. Uh, we are actually having a an event, a premiere event. Amazing. So I have a pretty tough question for you. Mm-hmm. I know it was a very difficult choice to recast Linda as Frieza. Yes. I did want to ask, though, what have you guys learned about Frieza in the process? Obviously, you don't play Frieza. You are directing, though, and working sure. with the script. What have you seen in the character of Frieza that's different from before? Well, what we definitely learned about Frieza this time around and actually had somewhat to do with why we couldn't even use Linda on this is that Frieza is far more eloquent than Frieza was in the original Dragon Ball Z version that we did. Because back when we were first working in Dragon Ball, we didn't have great translations. Um, they, were, they were really bad at best. And also there was... Um, the, the episodes were written, if you look closely, they're almost flat for flat. So Frieza spoke very slowly. And to compensate for that, they let Frieza speak over cuts and stuff like that, where Frieza in the Japanese version wouldn't have been talking. Like the, You would see the back of Frieza's head and Frieza would keep talking. Now we're trying to stay true to you know the location of the audio where the Japanese kept it. And there's a lot of data that has to go into a very small period of space. I've learned that Frieza is uh, a lot more eloquent than I originally thought. Uh, our original, um, the original impersonation of Frieza, like the original characterization of Frieza, was very like just kind of sinister and guttural and uh, and slow and kind of snaky. But the way we've taken it now is closer to what I think it it, it was in the Japanese. And if you listen to a comparison between Japanese Frieza and Chris Ayer's Frieza, you're going to find that they're very very similar. And of course, if I had known about King Cold being Frieza's father before we, we worked on Frieza the first time, I would have insisted on something different back then, too. But then again, I wasn't even directing Dragon Ball back in the day when Frieza was cast. Right. So one last thing. 
you have two new movies, two new scripts, pretty much right from the pen of Akira Toriyama. What have you noticed about the way that he writes his characters? Oh, I actually love what Akira Toriyama is doing with these new movies because he's so brilliant at, at really bridging the gap between it being a nice like, family reunion um, and also a little bit of a fight fest too, but not it's it's not void of character. There's a lot of referential humor in it. You have to have, well, you don't have to have watched all of the episodes, but if you watched all of Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, there's a lot to there's a lot to take from these. There's a lot there for you. Of course, there's even a a little uh, secret that uh, that Beerus admits to Whis during this fight about kind of the history that Beerus might have with Frieza that is really interesting. If you didn't know about uh, like uh, the, the Frieza's uh, relationship with him or uh, how Frieza destroyed the planet, it's, it's kind of hard to explain here, but uh, there's just so many fun things. Like Battle of Gods, uh, I love the fact that he loves to include all of the old characters. He likes to include Ox King. He likes to include Chi-Chi. Um, some, uh, I think if someone else had written it, it would have just been about Goku and Vegeta punching people in the face. I just I think he's just such a heartwarming writer. And uh, I, I like what he's doing with Vegeta right now. He's really putting Vegeta in these awkward situations rather than just say, hey, he's super strong. Let's see how hard he can punch somebody. He makes him sing karaoke in the last one. He makes him sit. This fight, like, like spoiler, I don't know if you've seen this yet, but I'm sure you have. He makes Vegeta practically sit this entire fight out. Right. Um, but because he because he holds Vegeta back, I think that his moments in this movie are by far more important than the moments that Goku has with Frieza in this. They're just um, it just makes everything he say that much more uh, interesting and important, and comical and impactful. Well, thank you much. Thank you so much, man. Take care, I wish man. We could talk longer. All right. Take care. Indeed, here we are. We have uh, the second new movie for Dragon Ball in such a long time. We came off of Battle of Gods. Battle of Gods kind of felt Wasn't like it, it like a year ago. Yeah, it, it felt like it ran for a long time because it came out in Japan in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of rolled with that for a long time. We still had so much coverage to do with it. And that went into the extended edition of Battle right. of Gods in early 2014, which then led into the international release of the film. And we got the extended edition. So Battle of Gods really had almost this two year, maybe year and a half lifespan so. for itself. That was um, very kind of exciting to live through and I, I will say deal with <laughs> in a good the, way from a consensual perspective. Um, and it almost feels like Resurrection F just snuck right up on us in a good way, you know, strike while the iron's hot. Exactly. But it's also, there are so many other things going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Everything started to overshadow everything else. It, yeah. It, it was a, a weird situation. Yeah. It was really easy to lose track of something else that was going on. Right. And especially now with super, it's uh, how do you ignore that? Especially with super kind of overwriting everything like we were talking about, but uh, we will forget about super for now because resurrection F does stand on its own as its own individual story, individual film. And I, I think I touched on a lot of that in my review. I guess I can and say I did put up my written review of the dub of the film and 
kind of sort of the film itself on the website. But along for the ride here on the podcast, we got Mary, we got Heath. Mary, let's follow up on what we just heard, which was uh, me talking with Chris Sabat at the New York premiere. Again, that kind of came out of nowhere that they announced they were going to be doing it. So we were lucky enough to get up there and check it out. Um, and then I guess we can say we decided to not go see the film again after that because we had already watched it for review and then we saw it in New York and it was, mm-hmm. do we want to see it, it tomorrow? It was like three times in one as week. Well. It's like, I, I am enjoying this movie. Um, I'm going to spoil it now. The more I see it, the more I liked it. Yeah. But at the same time, I wasn't prepared to watch it three times in one week. <laughs> Nothing. It was kind of three times... <laughs> four days, something like Pretty that. Much. It was kind of weird. So let's talk, um, unfortunately, Heath, you, you can't really participate here, but maybe you can ask us I will questions. ask questions. Okay. The, uh, the red carpet event was, the word I used on Twitter was adorable because it was very, very tiny. We will say kinda, intimate. Intimate. It was but an very intimate passionate experience. crowd. Yes. There it, was a good amount of people for the space was. it was held in. Yeah, I, I would agree with that statement. Um, really, the guests were... Chris Abbott, Sean Schemmel, Justin Cook was there. Mm-hmm. Um, then at some point, one of the VPs from Funimation showed up. There was a young child actress, and I already forgot her name. And then there may have been one other actor that didn't actually jump on the stage. That was it. <laughs> That's very different from uh, the uh, L.A. premiere where they had a, a bunch more folks come out, especially, uh, you know, they had two premieres. They had the Japanese, the subtitled version, and then the English dub premiere. They were much larger events. This was much smaller, and I think just they had the opportunity to do it in New York. Yeah, it so seems like it just kind of came out of nowhere. So maybe they just right. rolled with it. And I guess we can say it was kind of a standard press kind of thing where they take photos and then there's an interview line and you got your interviews and that was it. And then they went into the film and there wasn't much more interaction with uh, anyone beyond that. Um, they didn't really come up and do any Q&As with the rest of the fans or anything like that. They just played the same pre-show feature, I guess, with the Q&As in the trivia and the interview stuff before the film just like they did with the uh the, the big rollout and right. then they played the film and that was it i thought that pre-show is really well done yeah we'll get to that because okay. that's something heath was able to see as well and everyone okay. else will have seen um so again i don't know what else i can say about this red carpet event it was small and over and done with real quick it felt you know you say that but i think it, did it was feel probably long. about 45 minutes yeah yeah well heath here's where you can join us let's talk about the pre-show feature um mary i, I think you kind of really like the editing quite a bit. i did i like the graphics and the editing yeah and when i thought were, it was very well put together like, yeah. oh wait did they put it online or was it at no, all this it was shows? at all the theater oh shows. Yeah, okay yeah. cool okay yeah, yeah it was, and it was almost nostalgic from a not a DBZ Universal standpoint, but from a here in America dub season three standpoint. Does that make any sense? You're nostalgic for that? I, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm like negatively nostalgic about uh-huh. it, but they've glossed it up in such a way that you can kind of look at it and say, oh, look how far they've come. Right, right. They're so much better That's now. <laughs> and of course, they're using Kai footage and Kai voices the entire time. Yep. Oh, okay. I wasn't cover up a little that. bit of that. Yeah, you asked me at some point. You like, didn't see all the reanimated footage? Yeah. Well, I was like, why does it look looks so smooth are they using dragon box footage was my question to right. like no that's guy footage so Heath what was your perspective on it was it that like weirdly nostalgic for times that we lived through yet were angry about at the same time yeah I mean, I tend to agree with Mary. I thought they did a good job of glossing over things, which is really what they've been doing for a little while now of, eh, we kind of realized this is the way it was and this is the way we're doing it now. And they just kind of took a step up and... It's, it's nice to see they acknowledge it, but not in a way that 
we're going to totally alienate this side or this side. We're going to kind of just bridge the gap. And yeah. I thought I thought they did a, a very good job putting it all together. The editing was smooth and the trivia was um, trivia-tastic. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's laughable for the Konzenju audience. But. I know. It was really, really odd at points sitting in the crowd, you know, as people are yelling out their answers. Right. And just be like, I don't want to be that dick that like <laughs> turns to somebody is like, no. Um, excuse oh, me. Oh, oh, but we, Mike, I think we kind of won though because we had a father and a son sitting a couple seats away from us yeah, during yeah. the trivia. This kid must have been no older than I'm going to say six or seven. I was going to say eight at the max. Yeah, and he was nailing all the questions. He was, yeah, and not even that, but. I'm getting ahead of myself during the movie if there were things that were inconsistent with maybe things that you've seen in the past he's like no that's from gt <laughs> i was like man kid you yes. know your shit you go kid well that ties in this is again we're talking to the consensu audience but a lot of people don't realize pawn is in the manga and the last episode of dbc yeah. people like but again we're preaching to the choir but go ahead it was one of the last ones the uh frieza planet 79 yes. how many planets has he conquered and right away i'm just like okay this is this is a question with no actual answer right just because it's the only planet we see with, with the, the number, number I know. doesn't mean it's the largest <laughs> one i think as soon as it came on i said something like i understand where you're coming from with this question however yeah that, that was uh that's the only one where i was just a little really Okay. Yeah, that, I mean, that's our only uppity cons. Actually, I had no yeah. idea what the. See, I guess I'm coming at it from Joe Everyman perspective. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else to say about this pre-show feature? I mean, I had a pretty good time watching it. Yeah, it, was, it got it was me fun. jazzed yeah. for the movie. Yeah, even though I, I knew what to expect. It was very nice to just. Yeah, people were talking, but mm -hmm. everybody was involved. Everybody was talking with each other about what was happening on the screen. It wasn't just kind of like with Battle of Gods, you know the. You showed up in a dark theater and it's just like, this presentation has been dubbed in English and you're just sitting there talking to your neighbor. <laughs> this was a lot more right. personal, you know, we're going to get everybody involved. You were ready to go for the movie by the time it started. Well, let's just jump into the movie. Maybe at this point you've read my review on the website, so I'm going to kind of let you guys run this conversation. Heath, I'll start with you. You um, did get a chance to see it ahead of time before the theatrical premiere as well. Which I can say totally changes things when you see it in the theater it absolutely yeah. does yeah mm -hmm. so but, heath what did you think about the dub overall i think my thoughts really have not changed too much from battle of gods um mm -hmm. i really liked the accuracy some of their punched up lines come at really good times other ones not so much um but that's just inherent to the way things are and and Probably more of Sabbat thinking this fits in here, which most of the time I would say for most fans, yeah, because a lot of them get laughs and that's great. But at some points it just varies a little bit too much for my taste, but that's just a personal thing. It doesn't really mean that it's bad. Yeah, I, I actually thought there were less examples of that in this movie yeah. than the word yes, in Metal I noticed Gods. that. Definitely. But at the same time, I think a lot of that falls back on the fact that when Toriyama wrote this one, it was intended to be more action-packed, and there were less chances mm -hmm. to throw in those type of lines, yeah. whereas Battle of Gods was so comedic in nature that it yeah. it really, I, I don't want to say warranted, but it lent itself to having those kind of lines inserted and not feel too disjointed. I think one of those lines in the middle of Goku transforming would have just been really, really awkward 
And so I think they did a good job with that. It's interesting you say that because uh, we've been talking for a while about how the the new Frieza movie is very character and dialogue driven. Yet we're kind of saying that mm-hmm. Battle of Gods was more wordy. I don't know mm, how to kind I, of reconcile. Yeah, that. Yeah, in a way, that's kind of what we're saying. But it, I don't. It doesn't feel that way. Mm. If you know what I mean. All right. Well, Mary, let's go over to you. Uh, again, you've had a few chances to see the film now, both here for a review and then at the theater. What's your take on the dub? I think I'm inclined to agree with um, Heath. And the observation that I'd have about the punched up lines is that in addition to there being fewer opportunities to add those lines, just because this movie is more action driven, I feel like because Toriyama was at the helm of the script writing, in some ways it didn't need punching up because he was doing it himself. Yeah, yeah. Which where it was appropriate. So right. like pretty much all the banter between Weiss and um, Beerus right, was yeah. solid enough that didn't really need much mucking around with. But yeah, I thought overall it was really, really solid. Like I didn't sit there and this was the same for Bottle of Gods. I mean, I was enjoying it for what it was. I wasn't thinking like, oh, this is a dub I'm embarrassed about. Mm -hmm. On behalf of fans, I was enjoying it. And I think, and I had the same thing actually happened to me with Battle of Gods. I, and Mike, you're going to bitch slap me. (laughs) I think I enjoyed the movie more. No, I'm not going to say that. I, I got the movie, like I understood the movie more after seeing it dubbed and then I can go back and watch it in Japanese and and pick up on things that I maybe didn't catch the first time around and that was because the English helped I, I don't know how to describe and it I do get where you're coming from and I think that would change had we seen them subtitled more mm-hmm. <laughs> like Battle of Gods and, and everything I mean, we were, it was a lot of watching we were watching raw. a lot of raw stuff yeah yeah, yeah. so uh in I expect your opinion will change once we get Funimation's release and we check out the subtitle version right. as well, especially you get Nakao in there. But um, Mary, I want to get more from you on the film as a whole, because unlike Heath and I and the rest of us here, uh, you know, we've been living in the script and the documentation in the interviews and mm-hmm. you've checked out some of that stuff, but you didn't know every little in and out of right. the film. So now talk to me from just a film perspective. You were mentioning that you liked it more as you saw it more? Exactly. I think um, this would have been, what, my second or third time seeing it? I lost track. And I think for me, the movie still continues to feel weak the second Goku starts fighting. I agree. Even though the animation in the fighting is pretty solid then. But, I mean, Goku's never been my favorite character, so I tend to just tone uh, tune out a little bit. I think overall, even though the movie got better with each successive viewing, didn't like it as much as Battle of Gods, but that was because it wasn't as whimsical, which is fine. I know they all can't be that way, but at the same time, I almost felt like it falling into the same patterns as a typical Toei DBZ movie. Mm -hmm. We're kind of holding it back a little bit, even though Toriyama was the one who wrote it. That's not to say I thought it was bad. I thought it was good, but Frieza's not my favorite villain and Goku's not my favorite character, so for me, I have to find something else to latch on to in order to stay interested and for me that's vegeta yeah and all the secondary characters yeah you one of the times we were watching it ahead of time you actually wandered off yeah <laughs> during goku's fight and then came back for the very end of the film and being trapped in the theater you can't do that i mean i guess you could get up and leave. and honestly you're not gonna miss a whole lot something i noted in my review that i, I believe the base level goku versus fourth form frieza it's like seven minutes yeah it's actually quite long and it seven minutes doesn't sound like a lot but within the confines of a film it really is that's a significant portion of a film and 
nothing's happening. Especially when there's no real threat at that point. It's like, you know, these guys are going to level up anyway. Right, so right. I'm like, you are just spinning mm-hmm. your wheels. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are we even bothering with this nonsense? Right. We're not getting any good dialogue out of it, really. We're not getting any story stuff. Nothing else is happening in the background. Heath, what do you want to say there? It's ironic that you bring that up because just after mentioning it doesn't draw me back to a typical Toei movie, even though it has that same formula. In the script that was released, Toriyama's original script, mm-hmm. he pretty much just says, oh, and then they start fighting. So that whole sequence is pretty much Toei. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just think it's kind of ironic that that is what people find the most boring, and which is the part that had very, very little involvement from Toriyama, because he just said, they start fighting, I'll let you guys do your animation thing. And that was about it. He did that a lot in the script, where every yep. time there was a fight, he's like, and they fight, lols. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Something I noted in my review, something you just said, I've seen a lot of people mention it, just falling back into that classic Toei formula for a film. Battle of Gods was different. I feel like we can just spoil Battle of Gods freely now and Goku loses. The stakes are consistently brought up and played with in that film. Did you feel like the stakes were ever worthwhile or engaging for you here in Resurrection F? Not really, but at the same time, it's not the point. I think one thing that I kind of disagree with in reviews that I've seen and granted I've only seen a couple, Mm -hmm. there's no real threat. Frieza can't be taken seriously at all. Like the Earth's not really in any danger and I'm, Even though it is, but, but I feel like that's not right. the point. Yeah, yeah. Because he's solely just thinking about Goku. Mm-hmm. It's like seeing this in so the it movie. Almost, Clearly, the Earth is just collateral damage. So it almost doesn't matter what happens in the fight because the fight isn't the point. It's the what happens after the fight. No, it's it's just Frieza's motivation. Yeah, it's like is he almost realized going into it? It's like he can't possibly. I mean, he's not going to make good on his revenge. Yeah. The he, party almost wants him to win. He's like, oh, he, he came back from the dead. Well, technically he does. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Won the battle, lost the war. Yeah, he, yep. Heath, what's your take on uh, the stakes and motivation? Do you ever buy any of that? Or like Mary said, does it not really matter? To me, it's almost what makes the movie done so well is the fact that you come into this even yourself thinking there's no way. Seriously, even with a power-up, a transformation, there's no way he's going to beat Goku. Yet Frieza himself, he takes himself so serious while nobody else does. Mm-hmm. And I think that plays so well with the storyline that that's actually what it becomes about. Almost like what Mary was talking about. The fact that it's Frieza wants his revenge. He thinks he can do it. He's got this ace up his sleeve, and it still doesn't work out for him, and nobody still really takes him seriously, even though Whis has warned them that this mm-hmm. could happen. And I, I think, in the end, it turns out to be almost, you know, a, well, see, I told you, if you guys would just work together, which right. almost becomes cliche towards the end because mm-hmm. it's been brought up so much. It does. Right. I think that's a problem with the film, but I am coming around to just Frieza's taking himself so seriously, and Goku and Vegeta are are kind of taking him seriously, but it's mm-hmm. fun how serious Frieza's taking himself. He's just like, that is Frieza in a nutshell. Yeah, That's yeah. what makes him so fun to watch. Yeah, he's so dismissive of his own army. He is not at all surprised that they are a bunch of thugs that couldn't do anything. Yet, mm-hmm. when he starts to get beaten, I mean, he just throws the biggest temper tantrum, and Goku's just like, whatever, dude, I told you this is what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is 
in a way, mirrors very much how it originally happened in the series. Right, and I think that's why it is still sort of fun to watch, even when the fight itself is not that fun to watch. Just having Frieza be himself, and Mary, even though you were saying he's not your favorite villain, he's still fun enough to watch get his clock cleaned oh, yeah. and have a tantrum over it. That's enough to be like, okay, I'm all right having Frieza back for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I could take more of it. And exactly. I, I think it's a legitimate point to bring up GT and plan to eradicate the science, that kind of stuff. But Frieza there is just this showpiece for other stuff going on, whereas here he's actually the focus and he's legitimately in character because Toriyama is the one writing him. Uh, I think it's just enough of him. Maybe a little too much. And it's not too much Frieza. It's too much Goku in, in that in that fight there. That... You know, as we're talking about this, I think I just had a realization. Yeah. I think I like Frieza more in this than I ever did in the series because it's so compact and we get the best of what Frieza is all about in this limited time. Well, I guess my response there would be, well, this is the Frieza from the manga as opposed to Frieza from the filler. <laughs> well, how would you characterize Frieza in I, filler? And I wouldn't say the characterization is any different. I would just say we spent too much time with him in oh, filler. Oh, okay. Too much of him. Yeah. yeah. Compact time in the manga is sort of like this. Maybe just a little too much with the, the fight there. Let's talk about other characters, though. I mean, we're enjoying Frieza. Maybe not so much Goku. Mary, you mentioned you, your eyes lit up a little bit with Vegeta there. Yeah. He brought you back in the game. Uh, a lot of people complaining that he doesn't what? really get his chance. No, he doesn't, but he still found a way to kind of indirectly steal the show. Yeah. Because when he did, like the crowd was cheering in our theater, I yeah, think. Yeah, for sure. And he didn't even do much. Right. <laughs> Vegeta, what I love about him is that he always elicits a reaction out of people, especially when you're watching in a group even setting. Even if he's just standing there. Yeah. It's like, oh man, Vegeta, you're the shit. You just got a presence, yeah. <laughs> yeah, even though I think that whole sequence is very short with Vegeta fighting Frieza, mm-hmm. it's very rewarding in a way. And I've heard both sides where it's not rewarding, but it is. To me, I I enjoyed it. I think it's actually better done that it is so short. I agree. Just because I think if it were longer, that seems more like a Goku fight of... I'm trying to turn you over, you know, to just flee. I'm going to defeat you and dishonor you, but maybe someday you can come back and we do again. No, Vegeta is all, I'm just going to kick your ass. I'm going to kill you. Go away. And I love how confined it is. Yeah, it... I think that works to its advantage. I agree. And I actually think it's a a better choreographed fight than anything in Goku. And that's, I think that's maybe strange to hear considering there's CG in Goku's fight. And he does have like one kind of move where he kind of does a split in the air. It was just so weird at times. I thought it was still oddly inserted. What I like about Vegeta's fight and why I say maybe it's better choreographed, he's got those great like swatting the Mm -hmm. key bullets away and just the slow walking forward. Just everything about it was just very well directed and framed really nicely on screen and maybe it was just that it was compact and we didn't have just three versions of the same fight in a row. Everything that Vegeta did felt powerful and felt impactful and with reason and with purpose. It's kind of like what we've talked about in the series before where you used to for a while you could really almost feel the punches while you're watching mm, it yeah, and yeah. we didn't get that really until gohan gets his elder kaioshin power up yeah, and yeah. shows up and just Those that is hits. really the first time again where you get that 
oh, I could that hurts yeah. just watching. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like with Vegeta, that's exactly what you're saying. We we could feel that. Definitely. And it was definitely some pent up rage of, well, you killed my people and you wiped out my planet, so I hope you're ready for this because I've gotten a little stronger. <laughs> He's got something to prove. Now, Mike, yes. do you want us talking about the dub? Because we're just commenting on the movie and the we story are. at this point. So I, what yeah, are you looking from us? A little bit of all of that. And I think it's okay. But I think it's weird because that's also something we can point out is it's a discussion. Yeah, we're talking about the movie in general. But the movies, whether you're watching Japanese or English right now, are so similar they're identical almost right. we could not that have it said is that kind of nice that yeah <laughs> that it's kind of nice that we can actually just sit here and talk about the movie and have a nice discussion over our iced coffee yes. i think they lead into each other that in a way like you said that we just could not have done prior to battle of gods prior to kai um so let's talk about some of the other characters we were saying how the characters really drive this movie uh, i think jocko is one of yeah. the most important characters because he steals the show in a variety yep. of yep. ways yet odd because i would say maybe a quarter of my audience even knew who he was yeah there was zero reaction when he showed up, when he first showed up on screen for us, but then as the movie rolled on, I mean, everything that he does is so good. It's like impossible to not get a reaction from Jocko as he's doing stuff. Yeah, when he did that signature move where he's on the ground and he spins around with the laser and beam the and then he poses at the yeah. top, like people were clapping after that, even yeah. though they didn't know who he was. Right, right. I mean, he did the whole Roadrunner, I'm going to backflip <laughs> yeah, off yeah. the cliff and everyone else just runs. Totally. You know? yeah. It's like, this is awesome. Um, Jocko to me is a weird character because I lived, there's this word again, so intimately in the world of Jocko from its original serialization. I mean, we knew it was new Dragon Ball because Shueisha pretty much spoiled it ahead of time. (laughs) So to know that we were getting new Dragon Ball, I mean, I know every line of dialogue, every frame, every panel from that whole thing. And I I feel like I just have, I need my Jocko. And to be seeing him animated like this in a way that is like, that is 100% the Jocko that I was reading for the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense because Toriyama's writing the film and Toriyama just wrote Jocko. It was just like getting this relief out of seeing him animated in this weird totally non-sexual way and what did you um, feel about his uh, casting in the dub it made perfect sense i don't know what kind of voice i've been envisioning i think the voice i envision for jocko has been a cross between yajirobe and kududin from tanaka like they've kind of like that that kind of short and to the point kind of talking Mm -hmm. and it's not entirely that uh either in japanese or in english but i think the voice works perfectly from what i expect for him like Mm -hmm. he's very still short and to the point and kind of dismissive yet coy about stuff he's saying Mm -hmm. i don't know how to describe sounding and cocky but still authority authoritative heath what about you jocko your your theater experience with jocko you're the audience and then for yourself as well uh well for myself i loved it i think we've all kind of been in love with him for a while and when we first found out he was going to be in this and then he was going to be in super oh my gosh they're actually going to do that because i was a little hesitant for a while of just going to kind of be a standalone thing off on the side that toriyama did and but no apparently once he creates something it's in the universe i'm going to use it <laughs> and if and if he's in charge, he gets to write it. Mm-hmm. So no one else has and, a choice. Uh, and I love how he does the whole, I'm going to create this character now, 20 years later, and I'm going to incorporate it as if he's been around all along. And then when you meet the character, you feel like 
he's part of the group. Like he fits in and it's it's great. That was my worry. I think the word I used was shoehorned. I was worried that he was going to feel shoehorned into the cast. And he kind of literally is shoehorned in. What? But they acknowledge it. Right. Because yeah. they're like, who are, who's that guy? Right. <laughs> I like, yeah, nobody kinda... but Bulma knows who the hell he is. But we, I, I guess we do have to acknowledge and deal with the, so you've got a sister out there that no one's ever mentioned and she's name dropped here. And I'm sure there are plenty mm-hmm. of like, what? I kind of think the exact same way in Battle of Gods where it's mentioned that Vegeta has a brother. We're like, what? What are you talking about? Those are the weird things um, that possibly show up in, in Super. But I don't know how you even beat around the bush on those. Yeah, you gotta just roll with it. I mean, it's Toriyama writing stuff. It just stinks because they're owned by different property holders. They haven't been distributed. And that's how most people are going to know who they are. Unfortunately, they don't. And they're in there. And it is what it is. All right. Well, let's pull it back to the dub itself. Um, I mean, we had Julian's theatrical review initially. We've talked a lot about the movie and all the interviews and stuff over these last few months. So let's kind of pull it back to the dub and start wrapping things up. I mean, this we could just talk forever about the movie. There's so much to say, but we've done so. Chris Ayers, um, I mean, who do we need to go buy a drink for this casting decision? I'm in love. <laughs> so good. I, I, I was sitting there in the theater, like, waiting for the moment where he breaks down, because when we watched the screener, and that was what pulled me back into the room, when yeah. you said I wandered <laughs> off, I was upstairs, and It I was, you kind of walked out, you're like, I sounds did- like someone's having a shitty day, like <laughs> Oh, I, what the heck was that? Yeah, that was awesome. So I was really excited to hear that again in the theater with full-blown surround sound blowing my ears out. It was great. So good. I, I think don't, he nails it. He nails it. I don't know how many times I can say, but it needs to be repeated. I cannot imagine a 1999 version of Mike being excited to go watch English dubbed Frieza in the theaters. And I'm so, so happy that I can recommend this and be like, that's Frieza. That is 100% Frieza. And when I see people complaining online about the new Frieza sucks, he can't act, that's not Frieza. I am sorry. You are 100% wrong. This is Frieza. The character that you liked, I don't care that you like that character. It's great that you liked who that character was. Yeah, someone else. (laughs) That was not Frieza. too bad and then i kind of walk off and i'm like ha, ha 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 i got frieza in english now and you don't i'm kind of still angry and arrogant about it and i don't fucking care because now i have frieza dubbed in english and if you watch this in english you get my frieza now suck it up the end i feel like i'm rubbing off on you mike <laughs> you are a little bit getting mary's <laughs> anger it's like a happy anger. It is. It's like, it's like I I'm am angry so because happy. I'm happy. Yes. <laughs> I'm so happy I'm angry. <laughs> I only hit you because I love you. <laughs> I'm going to turn my webcam off now. Uh, I mean, and it's sad. I, uh. it's, it is. It's, it's sad that we have to be that way. Heath, what did you think about Chris Ayer's performance as Frieza? <clears throat> It pretty much echoes your response. I think um, I I put out on Twitter that I had watched the screener and that was, I think, one of the very first questions I got was, how was he as Frieza? And I just said he was gloriously sexy and I could listen to that all day. It's amazing. It really is to be able to watch it. And my hat is off to him. Just the fact that someone can go and watch 
in one language and then go watch in the other and you don't miss a beat of how that character's mannerisms are, the way he says things, uh, just how he says such mean things in such a polite tone with sarcasm and a little bit of tyranny just kind of mm-hmm. to put a shiver down your spine. And that it's it's amazing. These are the things we've always dreamed of, and now they're happening. And you're giggling into microphones <laughs> and not beating Mary. And it's this is fantastic. It's a happy time. You know, 2015. Good year. You know what I think? One of my favorite lines from him in the movie is: "It's a tiny little thing, and it's not even significant. It's just after he's resurrected, and Sorbet's talking. He just kind of turns around and goes, oh, and you are." Yeah, Just yeah, that yeah. Very. Yeah. I don't care. So dismissive. What's going on? Uh, it's like, almost like I'm only asking this because I feel like I have to. Right. But I really don't actually give a shit who you are. <laughs> that is Frieza, and I think Jake has done a really great job describing this. Completely independent of Nakao's performance in Dragon Ball Z, this is a perfect performance of Frieza as written in the manga. And I think that comes from Toriyama writing the film and just wonderfully appropriate casting for this character here in in Kai. And I mean, we knew what to expect from Kai, but I think Kai, it really feels like had some strange production things going on. It was a little rushed at times. Maybe this movie just, it gave everyone a little bit of breathing room to really dive in to these characters and I don't even know what to say anymore. It was just, I got to watch Frieza and it was in English, but it didn't matter. And right. that and makes it was me weird because so it, it really started to steal the show for me. Like I was just listening to every word and then Goku would come on and I just be like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also want to acknowledge Monica Real, her screaming at Frieza as Bulma. Again, I'm, I wonder what planet people are living on when they say the new voices suck and they can't act. It's we live in different worlds. Well, it's not entirely objective based. I can tell you that. <laughs> I, I know it, it's a lot of it's not the same as what I knew when I was a kid. And a lot of people come into the saying it's not what I grew up with. A lot of these interviews have been framed as the voices you grew up with. Um, they even recently did that. Ask me anything on Reddit. And it was, you know, the voices of your childhood. And it is different for us because we You're were all well into college. Yeah, we were college age and then adults as this era as of the dub was going on. These were uh, replacement voices two replacement voices uh, like our third replacement score it was a, a thing to make fun of uh, a, a thing to disregard and we didn't know that other people even liked it for another five or six years until they were old enough to come online and start berating us with foul language <laughs> like we didn't know that there was this other side and to see them now be in their 20s and kind of get angry about the changes that were done for legitimate artistic reasons. I don't know. I don't know where this part of the discussion is going. I'm. It's just, it's weird how things have not completely flipped, but it's, it's weird because now everyone's kind of on the same page of we've all at least lived through some sort of anger about a change. <laughs> That's true. It's like now that we've all been angry, let's come full circle and just hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Right. Now that your voices have been replaced, can we please... It's like, now do you know why we feel what we feel? <laughs> now do you get it? Yeah. So Resurrection F as a dub, I think, 
as an English dub. Pretty much 99% represents what this film is in Japanese, so no matter how you're watching it that way, you were getting it. I think this film does suffer from problems that are kind of inherent to it being a Dragon Ball Z film, and that's the big fights are generally not the most interesting parts. Uh, maybe, if only to us, I see a lot of people loving the big fights. See, and I, I thought the build-up to the big fight was way more entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all the, the small scrums off to the side. and that, that was very, very well done. The choreography was beautiful. Mm-hmm. All the characters were involved. Well, some of all of the minor characters <laughs> were involved. Yeah, it's kind of strange. And, you know, I love that they had to leave Yamcha behind. They couldn't bring the, the kids. No um, boo. Yeah, no boo. Did they leave that out of the dub? I don't remember that Actually, line. Actually, yeah. I think they did. The, the whole, um, well, Krillin wasn't too worried to begin with because boo would be there. And then he gets there and boo's not there. Right. And then you have Beerus and Whis. I mean, well, let's talk about them real quick. They, they are what they are, and I still am in love Me with too. them. Me too. I love every scene that they're in. It, it's so weird to watch two characters that do so little, yet you're so engrossed <laughs> yeah. in what they're doing. I think it's borderline. Oh, they're getting there. Starting to be a little much, because uh, as I was talking about in my review, they're kind of caricatures of themselves. They're not really mm-hmm. doing anything. They're just being themselves, kind of drilled up to 150%, just all the food stuff and not really nothing's important to them they're neutral like we get it we get it. we we get who you are now but to have them not do anything it was almost too much but i think battle of gods sold them so much i was okay with and i accepted it here as super goes on i do worry about mm-hmm. them overstaying their welcome and being turned into something that maybe was not Toriyama's original intent. It's tough, tough yeah. to put in words. I mean, I could see in the film if they would have been in one or two more scenes, mm. probably would have overdone it. Um, I'm starting to get that impression as well in Super, but it is what it is. You know, and part of the thing in Super, we'll jump to that real quick, is just that there hasn't been a whole lot going on right. other than seeing them. Now, this could totally change here forward where we're going to get some action, actual involvement mm. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So that could totally change. And however they change it in the future with Champa's interaction could be, who knows? Anything else we want to say about the film? It sounds like we all enjoyed it. We all do think it has, I think we all have different things that we, I don't know if dislike is the right word. Maybe it is about the film. A couple places that it falters. Maybe that's inherent to being a DBZ film. Maybe that's just the way it was produced. I will say that if, if you're at all on the fence about going to see it, I highly recommend going to see it now yeah, yeah. while it's in theaters because the the audience theater experience is yeah, yeah. totally worth it. Mm-hmm. it. Agreed. It's so much better that way. And I said the same thing about Battle of Gods and I still can't believe it's in theater. It's in fucking theaters. What this the is great. Hell? How much longer is it in theaters? Because uh, you the, said it was extended. Till the 12th, I think. And what's so today's date? Today is we're recording on the 8th. So you've got a few more days. Only a couple. I hope they extend it. And well, a couple theaters will continue to have it for some more days. Same thing happened with Battle of Gods. Just jumping back to Mm -hmm. it being a a great experience. I think this movie is a better theater experience than Battle of Gods was. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would agree. Because I think this movie has a lot of the fuck yeah kind of moments. Oh, so you're saying it's more common lowest common denominator. I do. I I think it is. But I think without being mean about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
It's kind of hard to put my finger on it. It hits the more general fan. But still gives people like us what we want. I think it gives everyone yeah. something yeah, that something they can say fuck yeah about. Yeah. And I think the, a theatrical experience will elevate the things that you wouldn't necessarily say fuck yeah about. You will still then say fuck yeah about. Can I say fuck yeah one more time? Fuck yeah, you fuck can. Yeah, I fuck, can. fuck yeah. I know that when we were leaving the theater, um, I overheard people saying that saying they liked Saying fuck yeah? No, I mean, maybe they did. Maybe they did. <laughs> Just that they liked it more than Battle of Gods, and they seem yeah. like the kind of folks that would have that opinion. Just Not that the, I'm judging based on appearance. The tsunami generation. The tsunami generation, say. yes. Yeah. I know at my theater, when we were getting our tickets, well, we had already reserved our tickets, and we're heading in, they were turning people away that... Just thought, oh, I'll just show show up. up. They didn't reserve to get. They had already, I checked online like two days ahead of time. They had already completely sold out. So, I mean, we've been seeing it's done pretty well for itself. Yeah, it's in the top 10, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like four or two, depending on. Slow week. (laughs) Let's bring it to a close. I mean, there's so many little things we could talk about, but uh, this movie is going to continue to be in the news cycle for a while. We are expecting, just like Battle of Gods, I'm sure we'll get a home release announcement. Manga UK has already kind of ruined that. Uh, if they're getting it in late October, it seems like Funimation's listings are starting to show up. We'll be getting it mid-late October as well. That falls right in line with how Battle of Gods went from theater to announcement to home release. So those of you who could not maybe get out to see it in theaters or are waiting on the Japanese version as well on the home release, that'll be coming our way. And of course, we have Super going on. And uh, it's going to be, I, I think this is why Battle of Gods and Revival of F, Resurrection F will continue to live uh, in the kind of general discussion here on the site uh, because they're going to be retold in Dragon Ball Super. And so we'll have a lot more to do with comparing how they were executed, uh, what fluff is there, what changes are made, what the B stories are to the main stories. We'll still have a lot of Frieza in our future, I think. So uh, with that all being said, I, I don't really know what this discussion was, but it sure was a lot of fun. Mary, thank you for joining us here. I'm glad I got to see the movie in theaters and I'm glad I got to discuss it with you guys. Um, definitely thinking about Frieza in a different way now, actually. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I don't dislike him as much as I thought. Oh, how nice. New favorite character. Maybe. Good to hear, Mary. Maybe. <laughs> maybe new villain. Maybe new favorite villain. I don't know. There you because go. I was thinking, like, uh, you know, I was saying earlier, oh, he's not my favorite villain. Who was? I was thinking, who was? Other than Vegeta, I wouldn't say Cell. I wouldn't no. say Boo. I'd have to go back and relook at Dragon Ball. So Piccolo is a great villain. Piccolo is a great. I feel like he's still one of my favorites. Piccolo and Vegeta are bad. They are really bad, and I like them a lot as villains. But then they come around, so it's hard to classify them. I mean, the original Demon King Piccolo. He is the badass mofo. I'm gonna have to go back and reread it. He's the best. The best. Yes. A plus plus. (laughs) Would do business again. again. (laughs) Would destroy worlds again. Heath, thank you for having Uh, me. I hear someone waking up. Maybe. Yep. You sure do. Good timing. Yep, my daughter is awake. So, um, yeah, I highly recommend going to see it in theaters. I really enjoyed it. I don't know what else we can say about it because it is what it is. It's so good, well done. Um, yet Toei, yet very Toriyama. So it's it's a half dozen one, half dozen the other sort of thing. The way I've been describing it is, Battle of Gods was so nice of a change of pace i'm okay getting something that is a bit more formulaic that's all right every once in a while but and the fact that we get it a is new also one. it is still so toriyama you can see all the nuances with the characters yeah, yeah. that yeah. it even though it is the same formula it's not done the same way right if that makes sense yeah we get you 
So. It makes sense. All right. Well, I am going to run <laughs> okay. upstairs and save a crying infant from, I don't know, Herself. something. From crying. All right. <laughs> well, Mary and I will wrap up the show. Thank you, sir. Thank All you. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Well, Mary, that leaves it to us to wrap up the show. I already said thank you. I've already said everyone's mm-hmm. names. You were Mary. That was Heath. I have been Mike. We have Julian and Jake with us. I think Julian's the only one who hasn't seen it dubbed yet, unless he's seeing it this weekend. Jake did see it. So maybe we can get a couple little tidbits from them um, leading up to the home release. That's going to bring it to a close. Um, Mary, the only other thing that I would like to say. Curtis- fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Courtesy of Julian, this is not directly Dragon Ball related, but in a way it it really is. The two most recent interviews that we have put up on the site, translations of interviews with Akira Toriyama, we are fairly certain these are the first two interviews ever with Toriyama. The first one comes from a magazine called Puffu, and it's mostly, well, it turns mostly jokey Q&A toward the end. And then the second one, I guess you would call uh, the first real interview with lots of significant meaty questions and answers going on. That comes from Monthly Starlog, which was an American magazine as well. There's a Japanese equivalent. Uh, so this is during Dr. Slump's serialization back in 1980 when these were conducted. And the reason that we put these up, I mean, historical significance, first Toriyama interviews, That's awesome. But you really start to see, he doesn't know it yet, but where he's going to go with Dragon Ball, the the types of responses he has and the way he talks about his work ethic and what the grind of serialization is like. It's like he doesn't know what he's getting himself into. Mm. And to look at it from that perspective is really fascinating. One of the questions I especially liked in the second one there was uh, he's talking about food from the Nagoya region, which is where he's from. And he mentions Wiro and Kishime. Oh, Which wow. We had to put a little note in there. Dragon Ball Z movie 2, the uh, the villains there, they're all based on foods from the Nagoya region. You may uh, recognize Dr. Wiro and Kishime from <laughs> that cool. film. So there's uh, fun little tidbits. That one had a lot of translation notes, a lot of Julian saying, he's talking about this. He's wrong about this. This is what it actually was. And then, you know, with 30, 40, how many years? 30, 35 35. 35 years. Oh, my God. Of Don't being say able- it that way. You're, you're, you're shaking some bones in my heart right now that are hitting I'm a little saying bit too- these, uh, these two magazines are actually older than us, and that's not something we can say often March, in this household. Um, just being able to look back on some of these answers and see where some of that went. Like one of the things he says is uh, some of his earlier works, he's asked, well, do you think they'll ever be collected in Tonkobo in form? He's like, nah, I don't even, I don't even like them. They'll, no, no one will ever want to collect those. <laughs> That's so funny to me to think that he was still so fresh. No one knew where this guy was going. And so that's why I really implore you check out um, these two interviews. They are still on the front page of the website over in our translation section as well. That'll bring you to a close. www.kanzenshuu.com. This has been Kanzenshu. We will uh, see you next time with another podcast about stuff, mostly Dragon Ball, probably, maybe. See you then. Who's hoping? Who's hoping?